Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into her presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to her with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great queen above all gods. In her hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are hers also. The sea is hers, for she made it, and the dry land which her hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For she is our God, and we are the people of her pasture, and the sheep of her hand. O that today you would listen to her voice. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 1 through 15. Now when David settled in his house, David said to the prophet Nathan, I'm living in the house of cedar, but the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is under a tent. Nathan said to David, Do all that you have in mind, for God is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, You shall not build me a house to live in, for I have not lived in a house since the day I brought you out of Israel to this very day. But I have lived in a tent in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about among all Israel, Did I ever speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you whenever you went, wherever you went. I have cut off your enemies before you, and I will make for you a name like the name of the great ones of the earth. I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may live in their own place and be disturbed no more. And evildoers shall wear them them down no more, as they did formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will subdue all your enemies. Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled to go to be with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 9. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, which is with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree 
or for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there any more. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more light, I'm sorry, no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. For the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what what must soon take place. See, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your comrades, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Good morning and welcome to the 25th Friday after Pentecost. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from uh, North Yarmouth, Maine. I keep wanting to say Iamsville. It's been a long time since I said Walkersville, but one day we shall return. Uh, this meet this this morning's readings come to us from Psalm ninety five, First Chronicles seventeen, and Revelation twenty two. Um, and long time listeners know that uh, every other day I'll read the Psalm uh, with a feminine pronoun. Um, that's in part because God uh, precedes gender; God has no gender, um, and. Also, it's, it helps us uh, diversify our own understandings of God. And uh, finally, it's, it also just happens that women are now in combat roles and everywhere in the military. And so I think it's healthy and productive to think uh, what it means that um, women and females are, are you know, right there at the top with leadership and, and all other forms. Anyway, um, the... The reading from First Chronicles, um, there's two different versions of this event, and it, it's always fascinated me um, because God kind of gives us a little sense of who God is, um, and you know, David is like the the pinnacle of of Israel's uh, you know uh, religious history, but and probably also political history, and that's what. That's part of what makes it so uh, important. Um, But before there were kings over all of Israel, unified Israel, there were judges, and we hear them mentioned, and that's, you know, from the book of Judges. Um, And uh, judges sometimes were over just one of the tribes of Israel, sometimes over all of Israel. Sometimes they were really, you know, great like Deborah, and sometimes they were shitty like Samson. Um, And before... The judges were put in place after they had stormed through Canaan on a military campaign under the command of Joshua, whose uh, Hebrew name is Yeshua, um, because J and Y are just different. Um, and uh, Joshua is kind of Moses' understudy who takes over. And before that, when they were wandering in the desert for 40 years, that was basically like one big field problem. Um, and in that time... Um, in, I want to say Leviticus 16, but certainly in early Leviticus, God 
tells Israel, tells Moses and Aaron, build me a tent and this is what, uh, this is where I will stay. This is where I will reside with you in this tent in the desert right here with you on this 40 year field problem. And what goes on in the tent, uh, the only time where people go into the very center of the tent called the Holy of Holies is once a year on Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement um, where they uh, had this sacrifice and they send out a goat and they kill another goat and there's a ram and everything else. But this is what God, this is how God resides, you know, walks alongside them for these 40 years in the desert. And these 40 years are really important. Um, the, the time comes to take the land and Joshua leads them. They take the land, they divvy it up uh, amongst the, the families. And uh, the time of judges is so chaotic and unpredictable. And kind of, there's a lot of infighting that finally they say we want a king. And that finally brings them David. Just like the reverse and then back forward history of, of what we have. But God, the only time during judges, the tabernacle stood at, I want to say Shiloh. But it was still it was the it was still the tabernacle, the tent. He was still hanging out in his his hooch, and that was fine. God didn't want anything else. And um, David's offer, and it happens twice. In one place, David, in the other, I want to say in um, Kings, he said he he holds a census in Israel, which is bad because you know you're not in control. You know, it's up to God to know you know how many are in Israel. Anyway. He, in the king's version, he offers to build God a house after being chased around by the angel of death for holding the census. But here in Chronicles, it's more like spontaneous. He thinks, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, you know, I said to the prophet Nathan, I'm living in a house, uh, but the Ark of the Covenant is under a tent. God still only has a hooch. I'll build him a house. And I, it's just so fascinating that God says, I never said I want anything but a tent. Uh, you know, this is how, you know, I kind of liked wandering around the desert with you guys. Um, the field problem where we were learning about you um, and learning about one another is just as important as the time when finally I, I gave you the land that I promised in this military campaign, you know, out on deployment. Um. And it's this just really interesting revelation about God, that God doesn't need a house, that God is fine sleeping under, you know, a poncho um, under the stars. Um, you know, he had, you know, if you can imagine God with his whoopee and like cuddling close, you know, with his head on like a rucksack or the Ark of the Covenant, like God's cool with that. He doesn't need all this stuff. Um, that that we think we need and we think other people need, but that doesn't that isn't to diminish David's instinct of like, I want to do something right for God, um, and I'm doing a lot lately. I'm doing a lot of readings about Cain um, and thinking about like why his sacrifice was rejected, because if you look at Cain, he it was his idea to sacrifice, and that's ex that's precisely what God calls for. Once a year in the Holy of Holies, it's not let's clap our hands in, in a circle and sing about you know Jesus and Kumbaya. It's you're going to kill something, 
and you're and that's going to be for me and that's going to be for the atonement of all your sins Cain started that shit and there's no evidence in the text that it wasn't his like own original idea Cain does it first he offers up um, uh, portions of his crop he was a harvester Abel does the same and he he you know outdoes his older brother he gives the firstlings of his flock the best of the flock um but that doesn't uh, you know degrade Cain's idea for sacrifice it wasn't no angel came and said hey you're going to sacrifice you're going to cut down a bunch of your crop and burn it and you're not going to get it but God's going to get it nobody told him that it was his own idea um it was a good idea, and God talks with Cain. You know, he says, why is your face downcast, etc., etc. God, as much as Abel is the hero of the story, God never talks to Abel. He hears Abel's blood crying out from the ground. Um, but Cain is, it's, it's not clear that Cain is the horrible person that we think he is. Um, and David, I think, is a really important contrast because he's, this incredible person, but he's not flawless. He's not perfect. Um, and one telling of this story is in the midst of his imperfection. He calls for a census. God gets pissed, chases them around with a sword, and then they kind of reconcile. Um, and David's like, uh, can I build you a house? Um, so how we tell these stories about uh, these central figures of our faith is important. And none is more important than God. God doesn't need a palace. God doesn't need a house of cedar. God doesn't need, you know, smells and bells. Those are nice, I'm sure. Actually, he does want smells. That's precisely what the sacrifice was for. Um, but he, he, God does not need it as much as we think he needs. Um, and that's probably because God, we think God needs what we need or wants what we want. Um, and that's, that's good. That's sympathy. That's empathy. Um, but if we, I think the tendency that I think we should be avoiding is, um, is that we, uh, on the one hand, you know, we, we, I, I think the danger is we get back into this ancient, um, contrast, you know, like social contract with the gods of, Let's appease them. And I think that's part of the reason God shoots David down. Um, because God is God is happy in the tent. You don't need to appease me. You know, this isn't a tit for tat. Um, but on the other hand, I think we can put all these things on God. You know, gold, this, and Lebanon, cedars of Lebanon, that. And then we think that's what God, that represents God. It doesn't actually. If you want to represent, if you want a representation of God, go out and sleep in the desert for forty years under a fucking poncho. That that's where you will find God. That is precisely where Jesus found God um, during his his retreats from you know the crowds. He went out to the wilderness because that's where God um, is just fine being. As long as God has God's people, he doesn't God doesn't need much more than that. Um, and nor shall we, I think. Um, and that's one of, that's one of the things that, you know, in my mind sticks in my mind about like, what does it mean that God is a grunt? Well, God doesn't need a whole bunch of shit. You give him, you know, 
a, a poncho, his whoopee, and three square meals, and they're fine. Um, so I hope that we can remember that God doesn't need all the things that, that we need or, or want the things that we want. Um, and just because we want them or we think we need them doesn't then, you know, we shouldn't put God in a box of thinking that, you know, St. Peter's Basilica, like that's beautiful, but God is there only because of the people who are there, not because of the things that we put around God or on top of God. Um, God is in the dirt and the sand and, and the dirty fingernails, um, and God's quite happy being there. In Barracks, a poem by Siegfried Sassoon. The barrack square, washed clean with rain, shines wet in wintry gray and cold. Young fusiliers, strong-legged and bold, march and wheel and march again. The sun looks over the barrack gate, warm and white with gleaming shine, to watch the soldiers of the line that life is hired to fight with fate. Fall out, the long parades are done. Up comes the dark, down goes the sun. The square is walled in windowed light. Sleep well, you lusty fusiliers. Shut your brave eyes on sense and sight, and banish from your dreamless ears the bugle's lying notes that say, Another night, another day. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.